everyone. Welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O for anyone who's out there who wants to look us up. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Justin and the Food Entrepreneur. So today I have with us Nathan Ingram of Sour Street Pizza from Norfolk, Virginia. How are you doing, Nathan? I'm doing good. How, How about you? I'm doing well. How was your Halloween? Uh, it was it was great. It was... Handed out candy with my daughter. Yeah, yeah, I know. Handing out candy is like a weirdly gratifying thing, even though you're just like spreading sugar everywhere. It's amazing. <laughs> it is. Yep. <laughs> so, Nathan, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, you're an entrepreneur. You know, that's obviously why you're on the podcast. But let's go back to like, where did your interest in food come from? And sort of this entrepreneurial bug, and I don't know, you can start as far back as you like. We have as much time as you like. Yeah, so I'm going real far back. When I Growing up, my dad owned a used car lot and a, a junkyard and a little flea market. Um, so I kind of grew up around his business. Um, I think that installed, you know, that um, kind of gave me a little bit of business sense and whatnot moving forward. Um, so I went to college, got out of college and worked um, at the shop for a bit and then got my own, uh, went my own way. I went into IT sales and I was there for about six years. It was a great company, a good career. Um, but at the end of six years was when quarantine, when COVID hit, and I was forced to work at home um, without any of my colleagues around. Um, and I, I slowly realized that I kind of hated my job. I, I did not want to be in a room all day on a headset, sending emails on calls. Um, I was kind of going crazy. And I think that before, when I was in the office, I had a bunch of friends around and colleagues. It was a little easier misery loves company. Um, but over, over the course of quarantine, I was just kind of going crazy and I started making bread just like everybody, uh, just like a million other people did. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. And I have a good, a good friend who's a chef and he said, you know, if I was going to make pizza, I would make sourdough pizza. And I didn't even know, I knew what sourdough was, but not the technicality of it. Um, so I started looking into how to make sourdough bread, how to make sourdough pizza, found some YouTube videos online, and I started making um, sourdough pizza in my big green egg with yes. a pizza yes. porta attachment. It's a really cool attachment. Turns the big green egg like into a pizza oven uh, where you don't have to open the top. You just open the front. Uh, it's pretty neat. That's pretty amazing. I didn't know they could do that. Yeah, yeah. It's a really cool attachment called the Pizza Porta. If you don't have that, then you have to open the the dome every time you look at the pizza and let all the heat out. Um, so I got that attachment. I started making pizza just for friends who would come over and we'd be outside on the porch eating pizza during COVID. Um and the pizzas just started coming out like incredible. So uh, one thing led to the next. I started talking to my wife about potential business opportunities. And I'm not, 
I've always loved food. I love going to New York and eating pizza and eating all the different things. Um, and it's, it's always kind of been a passion of mine, but I've never thought that I would do anything with it. But uh, during quarantine, the way the pizza was coming out, I um, made a decision to purchase a, a food truck and I quit my job, um, found some some money. I got some loans, some family loans as well, um, to purchase the truck. And I drove down to Florida a few months later, picked up the trailer, brought it back up. And that was about, that was about, uh, two years ago or a little over two years ago. Um, and so then, in the middle of COVID, you drove down, like, I, because I was in Georgia at the time, and I, around the same period, and everything was still kind of shut down and stuff, and so traveling by car was really the only way, because plane was weird, weird and stuff like that, so I like this, so you just, you're like, I'm going to get the yeah. trailer, I'm dry, I'm going to drive down, so from Norfolk to where you're going, like, 12 hours, 10 hours? Yeah, it was like 13, I think, um, all the way to South Florida, um, if if I could do it over again, I would have paid the 2000 to get the trailer shipped up here. <laughs> yeah. um, my brother lives down there, so it was nice. I got to visit with my brother. Um, but So that was actually February. So things were actually open in Florida. Um, that was yeah. um, about eight months after the shutdown. Yeah, because um, Florida was pretty open. I know Georgia was pretty open around then as well. It's just the fall yeah, was such a, yeah. a, a interesting period. Thanks, uh, Halloween, I guess, where truck or treat was invented. So yeah, cool. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead, so, Nathan. I'm getting you off track. Oh, you're good. You're good. So we drove, and I had, you know, I have to have a F two fifty or a twenty five hundred at least to tow the trailer because it's about ten thousand pounds with the Italian oven on the back. Um, so I drove my truck down there. And we, um, on the way back, my turbos went out or my turbo went out on the, on an F-250 in Georgia Saturday night. Um, it didn't, I ended up duct taping it and making it work. Um, but that meant I could only go 50 miles an hour cause I didn't want to blow the turbo out again yeah. and break the duct tape. So my wife and I, uh, drove up 95 going 50 miles an hour with this new trailer on the back and it took us like 24 hours to get home yeah. um that's i mean kind of a sign of things to come being a business owner yeah and i have a similar story to that i mean i was we i used to be in a lot of fried chicken and up and down the east coast and we used to do demos and what we called the chicken chariot and we do events and stuff like that and um, we put too much weight on the trailer on the axles because we built it was the first trailer we built back then um, when we were building trailers and kitchens and restaurants and stuff and I had a similar thing we like we I was going off an eggs and then I realized that it was in Long Island and I wasn't going to make it under the bridge so I kind of went over the grass and and then back on the road while I broke both axles oh, and wow. so I had to get all the way from Long Island you know, four hours to back where we were in Wilmington, Delaware. However, I couldn't go more than 25 miles an hour down the highway. And so you're on like major highways and toll roads and we're trying to go, you know, a four hour trip, which easily, I think it was about 13 and a half hours by the time it was oh done. And gosh. weirdly, like when that happened, I broke something in the truck also 
by going over it, I shorted out something electric. So every time we hit a bump, the windshield wipers would start going off and shooting fluid until we were out of fluid. And then the windshield wiper blades melted the rubber on the windshield. And it was like, that's how it was just like one of those things. But you learn so many things. It's where I appreciated never going into food trucks where like, oh, trailer's the way. Because even though there were two problems, the truck was fixed in no time. The trailer had to be fixed, but the truck could still hook up to another trailer and keep going. So, um, sorry, that was a long story, but I totally relate to like that first like adventure experience. You're like on the road. I think we even had it for the trailer at that time for two weeks at the time we did this big demonstration way out in Long Island, like way far out on the tip and so excited. And then something like that happens and you're like, womp, womp, womp all the way home. You know, it's quickly oh, humbling, if you will. So yeah, anyway, definitely. You, you take this trip back up from Florida and yeah. um, you're doing 50 miles an hour with duct, duct tape on your turbo. Yeah, exactly. So we made it up here and I got the trailer to the commissary kitchen where where it's parked currently all the time um and it was kind of a fun couple months after that i was i was working on getting my health department license and stuff like that but in the meantime i was just cooking tons of pizzas in the in the trailer just with my friends like you know couple employee friends and um we were just taste testing and and uh, trying out different pizzas so that was that was a great time um, so tell me about your setup in your trailer like how do you have it set up you mentioned the pizza oven in the back but I, i'm not familiar with actually pizza trailers i mean obviously i've been at a few weddings where you've had them but i've never actually built one ironically and i've never actually been around the business so how do you i mean what do you need in one so you have your pizza oven i mean did you do a traditional one with your clay dome or um it is so it's it's a mugnaini um which is a, a valoriani italian oven there we um, go and that is on the back of it that's about three thousand pounds um and it's hundred um, percent it's all wood fired we don't do any propane um and then we have a tall fridge and then we have a pizza prep fridge um, with a you know pizza prep cutting board on yeah, it. Yeah, the t- and pizza the, prep table. Yeah, correct. And then we have you know a table for my POS system, and then a small table in the back where we put like pizza boxes and cut pizzas sometimes and stuff like that. Um, but we have one person like when we're operating, we have one person on the pizza prep uh, shaping. And we have one person topping and then the person on the register has kind of the register and the oven at the same time. Cool. Um, and we, we text people when their order is ready because everything is made to order. Um, and if we get a super long line, the wait can get pretty long. So we take your phone number and you can go. We're mostly at breweries and things like that. So you can go have a beer and hang out and then we'll text you when when the pizza's ready cool so let's so you when you guys were designing recipes and stuff and playing around with the trailer and getting stuff like how did i mean did you look i mean okay so your sourdough's atypical anyway 
okay, which I really like. I think sourdough is one of the most powerful breads because it's not only the the flavor it gives, but for some reason sourdough, it's the reason they dip it in all the soups and stuff out in San Francisco or the West Coast is because it absorbs flavor so well. And that whatever flavor it has, it matches so well with, in this case, would be your toppings. But in what I'm talking about is usually how it's soaked up. So tell me how you develop recipes around the sourdough because what I love about this and is that you you concentrated on the bread first and you found a unique thing it wasn't just another pizza but it's truly outstanding you know and I an outstanding idea and different so how do you put toppings on it? how do you match cheese is it similar is it different I mean how do you go about that um you know it's not it was really just trying different, trying different tomato sauces, trying different cheeses. Um, and I kind of, I did a lot of that at my house when I was just cooking for my friends. So I had a pretty good idea of the tomato sauce that I wanted, uh, when I went, when I moved on to the trailer, um, the cheese, I tried a few different cheese companies and I landed on, um, grande cheese and they're out of Wisconsin and they use like only grade a cows. Um, so it's, you know, the, the best piece of cheese you can get pretty much, um, unless you're getting something local down the street. Um, but yeah, I went with grande. It melts the best as far as I can tell compared to the other competitors. Um, and then, you know, we switch it up sometimes like, Last week we did uh, black and blue pizza, which was um, a shallot herb cream sauce uh, with mozzarella, filet, red onions. Then we cook it. We finish it with smoked blue cheese and um, arugula. So we, you know, we switch things up, um, but I try to, I try to use the best ingredients possible. What's your favorite pizza that you produce? Oh man, I, I really love them all. It depends on the day. Um, I can't, you can't go wrong with a pepperoni, um, a margarita. I love anchovies. Um, yeah, me too. So I like a, a margarita with anchovies. Uh, we call that the DeVito special now. <laughs> yeah. cause I, I saw a video recently of Danny DeVito talking about how he brings anchovies with him when he orders pizza. Um, but yeah, I, I like it all. I mean, I made I made my menu around what I like, hence the anchovies. We probably get it and order like one out of a hundred people wants anchovies, but I have to keep them on the menu just because I love them so much. Yeah. And the people who do love them, they love them. So I know it's um, like that's what Caesar dressing, like true Caesar dressing, to me has that anchovy in it, and yeah, I truly like yeah. strive for it to find like when you can get it. But I. I don't know. I agree with you. There's and there's something about anchovies, especially on a pizza, that just I don't know. And I am Italian, so I guess it goes with the territory. But oh, yeah. it's just like I don't know how to describe it. It is just like <laughs> there is like there's a marriage there, and like pizza to me is like my favorite food group is sandwiches. I think I talked to food podcasts ago, but pizza's like. an open face sandwich in some ways and you get it hot so to me it's just like what you can do with it and then the anchovies i wouldn't put it on a sandwich necessarily but on a pizza like for sure so yeah 
I have to laugh because, you know, it's just no one in my household is going to eat anchovies on their pizza for sure. So, (laughs) yes, very true. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of how I came up with everything. I went with Izo Sausage Company for the cup and char pepperoni. Um, I love I love the cup and char. I know this is crazy, but it kind of reminds me of Pizza Hut when I was a little kid in a good way. Um, But yeah, the pepperoni is really good. So everything comes together um, pretty nice. Okay, so how do you find events? Did you find, let's, okay, you've got the pizza, you you fixed the truck, I assume, and, um, and then you're you've got this concept now to and you're in the middle of covid still i imagine at this point yeah so yeah so how do you move forward okay you're starting a business which most people would argue is the worst time to start a business although i would argue it's the best time to start one and it's the best yeah. time to grow your business if you're smart and not spending money but able not necessarily spending money recklessly trying to acquire customers but building relationships so yeah Talk to me about how you do this because you've already got your friend groups. You've already been cooking pizza for people. So unintentionally or intentionally at some point, you've got your following now and a group of fans, small or big, they're a loyal group of customers potentially that'll spread the word and and come to the truck and and so on and so forth. So how do you go from there? Um, So basically, I started just going to breweries Um, before we were even operational. I was kind of just pop like I'd go into a brewery and I'd start talking to the group, the beer tender um, or the owner, if the owner was available and just tell them kind of what I was doing. And I would love to get on the schedule. Um, It's pretty easy. There's no contracts. They just say, yeah, you want to come? uh thursday four to eight or saturday 12 to nine um and so i just started going to the breweries and making it happen um it's pretty funny the first like really busy brewery we went to um at this point i was using a small mixer um all i'd ever done is cook 10 pizzas for my friends in my backyard so we were in the weeds in no time Uh, I sold 75 pizzas and I sold out, um, the first Saturday and we were, we were pooped. We were so tired. Now 75 pizzas is like nothing. Like it's a piece of cake. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool. It's evolved over the past year and a half and pizzas are a lot rounder. They were a little oblong at first, depending on who was throwing them in the eye. Um, who was shaping it. So we've, we've come a long way, uh, since the initial setups and, and over that time, you know, a lot of people visit us at the breweries and I think that's how we get um, a good amount of wedding requests and private event requests. Um, just from word of mouth, from people seeing us on Instagram and from people, um, coming to the breweries and buying our pizza. Yeah, and it's interesting because I feel like in in where we are now, economically where we are, like, and I understand catering and fine dining and weddings and all that stuff, and I understand it, but at this point in time where we are and 
in life and, and, you know, in the space that I'm in, I want to be careful with this, but it's, to me, if you're getting married and starting a family, you know, and trying to be responsible and start blowing all the money or any money someone's giving you or saved for you on a wedding seems silly. So mining your budget and, and worrying about it seems like a responsible thing to do. Um, to me, I didn't follow that rule when I first, the, my marriage before and so but hindsight i wish i did very much so um would have taken that money and done better things with it than just you know on eight hours or whatever it was but the thing about it is is and my point is is it's not marriage or this or that and it's an important day and it is eight hours or whatever but the thing is is if it's all about like the the appearance of everything else and and the guests and this making this image it's not true to anyone and it's certainly you look back on you're like why did i spend all the money why did i spend other people's money our parents money on on that when it wasn't true to who we were so i like the food truck thing i've liked it for a long time or trailer because i feel like this is if you're at a brewery and this is something you do then get married at a brewery with a food truck and if it's not at a brewery go bring the beer to you at another location and the food truck you know or trailer and it's just financially responsible, in my opinion, to, and I didn't do it the first time. So this is a total hindsight recommendation moving forward. And I, my parents probably said this to me and I didn't listen because I wanted to party and whatever. And so did my ex-wife. But it's like, it just wasn't true to either one of us. And we started a foundation of something that, you know, for everyone else and this pleasing of everyone else. And that's sort of what it was, right? And yeah. And then we blew all the money that we could have invested and in, in, in had better things or started our life sooner and been more stable sooner as a couple. And so it's a side note, and I'm going off on this not a leadership podcast, so I don't want to go down that one because I also do that. But it's more or less why not do it. So I love the, the food truck thing. I love that people are bringing you there. So Talk to me about that. I guess COVID helped that quite a bit because people were getting married outside because COVID regulations weren't as strict. Um, Correct. So uh, I'm sorry to go on the tangent, but I love the um, that you jumped right into the weddings because I think it's an important part of word of mouth marketing. It is. And, you know, the breweries is a real grind because, I mean, I have my good breweries, but then some of them, you know, it's hit or miss. I might do uh, 20 pizzas at some of these breweries, depending on the night where, you know, weddings, you know what you're getting. So that's a lot better um, for a business owner to to have prepaid or, you know, guaranteed money events. So I'm trying to, to grow that part of my business. Um, but yeah, and to what you were saying, um, it's different to have pizza and the, the cool thing about it is that we just pump them out over the course of a couple hours. I tell people, if you want everybody to sit, if you want a hundred people to sit down at the same time and eat at the same time, this is not a good fit. Um, but if you want to have kind of a party and everybody eats over the course of an hour and they just continue to walk up and get hot slices, um, then it's a perfect fit. And a lot of people are doing that nowadays. They're not doing the formal sit-down dinner 
Um, they're kind of just mingling. They have different food stations. Um, you can come and grab a slice of pizza. And then in five minutes, you can come back and grab a different one. Um, but the cool thing is, is that the pizzas are coming out fresh and hot and made to order um, where a lot of, you know, a lot of catering, everything's sitting under lamps. Everything is pre-made. The steak not, might not be cooked right and um yeah. you know it's just not fresh and it's been in it's holding like, cabinets like i mean it's usually it, cooked somewhere else shipped there nothing against it but we're just it's just not the same as fresh cooked food exactly exactly so we've had you know it gets tough we can't do like a 200 person wedding i need to get my i need to get more catering skills under my belt because right now we're just doing pizza and salad um so it's it's difficult for the 200 person wedding and we typically say they need to you know bring some other food but um you know 150 people or less uh it's a perfect fit yeah and i love the the whole thing because i'm going to go back to the wedding thing and what you're talking about i don't think we talked about it on the podcast at all but from a food entrepreneur standpoint and from a person getting married standpoint and from maximizing the dollars that you actually spend and putting them to work at a wedding, it's interesting that we pay so much money to a caterer who feeds people for maybe two hours, including the cake. Like, I get it. There's tons of work beforehand. Don't get me wrong. But then the other part is we have a DJ that actually only plays the music for the last hour and a half by time everyone's fed, all the speeches are done and everything like that. So you've paid all these people to be there. You've done it. But at the end of it, you're always like, oh, I'm hungry and there's no food left. Or, I can't believe the dance is already done. We started so late and, you know, what are we going to do? How many times did the DJ have to go an extra half hour because they started late? And it's like, if you allow people to come, enjoy themselves, you get the speeches over at the beginning, which I like this kind of new tradition the food truck has created in weddings. And everyone starts dancing or, or eating and you have like three and a half hours of fun versus an hour and a half, maybe an hour at the end because the way the eating is and it's formal and you got to sit down and it's the point of joy. So I get sitting down and being formal, but I also get the point of eating all night and having fun and being true to who we are and dancing and having fun with your friends and family. Um, So this is a cool thing. And so I want to emphasize what you're saying for anyone listening in the audience that this is an acceptable way and it's a better way I've found and I've been to a wedding with pizza and I've been to wedding a wedding then again with the traditional catering and then I've been to wedding after wedding after wedding recently of food trucks okay and weirdly there's the food truck ones it's like six hours of dancing and food and eating because they do the weddings right at some place and bring the food there and the the tents there or whatever and so it becomes a much more social gathering you get to know everyone around you more and everyone you're with not just from the rehearsal dinner so to me and this is my opinion um based on you know like i've said but it's if you're going to do it and you're going to build something and you have all these people there, isn't it the point of everyone to hang out, get to know each other, spend time the whole weekend together and stuff like that? So I feel like food trucks throughout a weekend and planning around that type of stuff, not just rehearsal dinners, but actually making something or having the event at your house and bringing the food truck into your parking lot if it's a rehearsal dinner. 
and just doing stuff like that. It's just so impactful and yet so easy and hassle-free and you're still doing the same limited options you would have with a caterer. So yeah, exactly. Um, so Nathan, talk to me about this. Like how, what are next steps? I mean, your business is growing. You've talked about adding things to the menu. I mean, is there a sour dough hoagie sandwich in the oven somewhere in the mix or something? I wish. So it's, it's tough because I'm an eight by 16 trailer. Um, so I can't really expand the, I can expand the pizza menu, but it's going to be really hard for us to do sandwiches in there. Like right now, the it's just packed full of ingredients when I go to an event. Um, I've got dough filling up the refrigerators and I'll start proofing dough when I'm on the way to the event as well. So I can't really expand beyond pizza in the trailer. Um, but I have two kind of expansion opportunities right now. Um, my wife and I just purchased a new commissary kitchen. Um, cause right now I'm, I'm sharing a commissary kitchen with a lot of other people and I have to schedule myself to make dough and it's getting really old. I have to wait for them to, to do dishes sometimes. And I'm working sometimes a 90 hour week. Yeah. If I have four events and I can't, I really don't want to deal with, you know, waiting on people to do their dishes or waiting on uh, scheduling options to do dough. So we purchased this little tiny kitchen um, and I'm working on getting that health department approved right now. And I'm, I'm looking forward to be able to make like YouTube videos and things like that in my own kitchen about the dough. Um, and then simultaneously right across the street from the brewery that we set up at every Thursday, it's kind of our best location in the area. We, you know, we do on average like 120 pies Thursday night. Um, I'm looking at a brick and mortar space in that right across the street from that brewery. And I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm waiting to, waiting to hear if we can vent the oven through the apartment above the, where the restaurant would be. So I'm waiting to hear back on that, but my fingers are crossed that we'll be able to vent the oven. And then I will be opening up a um, brick and mortar in that location. And, sandwiches are definitely a possibility at that point and i love this and it's one of the things that you've built a good business you've found a niche you've you've taken a cookie and and built a better cookie or a unique cookie that's marketable and has a unique audience um that are loyal to 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 what you're doing and they want to try sourdough pizza obviously because it is (laughs) It is good, probably. I haven't tried it. Yeah. But I'm just like, um, I love the concept. And I love the concept, too, because what it's showing is that when you can look around a corner, there's a Domino's, there's a Papa John's. Here we have Perry's and uh, Old Chicago and Blackjack and uh, Jet Pizza and you name it. But there's still the entrepreneurs out there, even here that are building pizza businesses that are you. I think we have mellow mushroom also, but there's a growing population and 
there's plenty of room for people to have their unique tastes. And that's one of the things I like about this is this is a unique thing. And if you like traditional pizza, you can also switch it up and get sourdough pizza. And it's not the same in the same week, you know? So there's things like that, that I feel that people who truly love pizza, that when we're expanding what pizza is or the concept of pizza like you have, it's giving people options within it for lunch and dinner. So, which brings me to my next question. I mean, when you set up um, your your trailer, do you do deliveries and pickup uh, with delivery services? Do they follow you? I don't, I'm not quite sure how that works because all of that era sort of happened later for me. Um, yeah. And do I know that DoorDash and stuff can follow around the trailers and pick up and stuff like that, but I'm not sure if that's an actual good business for trailers because you're trying to handle the population at hand, for lack of a better term. Yeah, so I think it is a good business for some trailers who, who, um, you know, they're selling hot dogs or something like that. And they just, they get an order and it's done in two minutes or one minute. Um, with us, I can't really do delivery, uh, right now or online ordering just because we get so slammed at the breweries. Like sometimes, uh, we set up at Cova We're there from four to eight right now, every Thursday, um, and we'll sell sometimes 145 pizzas in the four hours. Um, and we're, you know, it's like a hurricane came through the trailer and that's without online ordering or, or delivery. Um, so once, you know, once we get the brick and mortar, I'm going to have an oven that's twice the size. I'm going to have, um, more employees and, we should be able to accommodate delivery at that point. It's very cool. And I, and I'm very interested and excited to hear what happens. Cause I agree with you. Once the um, brick and mortar happens, it's going to open up a whole new ball game where you're going to be able to get pizzas delivered to people in that area. And, and people who go to the brewery who know your pizza will be able to get it all the time. Not just when the trucks at the brewery are there at the brewery, even if it's across exactly. the street. So you know, and that's the pizza game. The whole food delivery business, I'm pretty sure, was formed around pizza and designed around it. We just expanded it to all food now. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. And so, would I mean, it's quite an adventure, and I'm really, really, it's really cool, and I really believe in what you're doing because I think it's just so cool and unique. And that's what I love about the entrepreneur space is – um, we, you can take something that's been done, but make it so much better and unique. And um, and we're not done yet, you know. And, and we have this all these spices and flavors and breads and things to explore as humans in combinations yeah. around the world that we don't even know. And so there's endless opportunities to create within the food space. So really, really cool. So Nathan, as we sort of start wrapping things up. Is there anything that you learned like at, during this time that you feel anyone who's getting into the food entrepreneur space or the food truck space should, you know, be aware of or learn, or you wish you had known when you got in the space? Um, you know, I would just say the long hours. Um, it's a lot of work and especially making the dough the way I do. Um, like, for example, on Thursday, every Thursday I have Kova at night, but a lot of Thursdays I'm making dough in the morning. 
So I wake up, I make dough on Wednesday for my Thursday event. And sometimes I make dough on Thursday for like a Saturday or a Friday event. And so my Thursday, I wake up at 5 a.m. I go to the kitchen. Um, I'm there till about 10 a.m. Uh, incorporating the dough and um, bulk fermentation and then balling the dough. And then it kind of sits at room temp all day. Um, but I'm kind of there for five hours in the morning till 10 a.m. I run home, I shower, I go right back to the kitchen, uh, start prepping ingredients and making sure I have wood on the trailer and dough and flour and all the things, hot honey, um, chili oil, olive oil, all the things. Um, and then I'm at Kova at like 1.30. I heat up the oven, open it for... Uh, serve till 8.30, go back to the tr the kitchen, clean the trailer. My employees do dishes. I'm out of there at 10 or 11. Um, so that's, you know, 18-hour day almost every week. Um, and that's not every food truck. That's because of the dough process. You know, taco trucks, they cook some meat. They Maybe they make some shells, but that, it's just not the same. Um, so yeah, I would say if you're opening a food truck, be, you know, know that it's going to be very labor intensive and a lot of hours and you have to get, I have to get uh, my business license in every city that I operate in. So I pay taxes and I have to do all the paperwork for three different cities right now. Um, and according to where I'm set up, I have to pay that uh, meal and sales tax for that city. So it's a lot of, a lot of admin stuff, a lot of, um, a lot of labor and a lot of hours. So be ready for it, but I have no regrets. I'd rather be working 80 hours a week doing what I love being out and about than working 40 hours a week on the computer all day. And that's not for everybody, but that's, that's for me. Yeah, uh, me, and that's the same for me. I'd rather be working for myself longer hours than working for someone else for 40. And so, you know, and that's one of the struggles are always in life, right? And, um, but it's one of the, one of the things you said that I think is, is important is that I want to pull out of it is sort of a thread to pull out of it is that you've, you're working in your business. You're doing the dough. You're you're in the trailer. You're cooking, but but you're still finding time for the brick and mortar thing that you're working on. You still find time to do the commissary for yourself. So you're balancing your time well. Which I also find that when people hear the eighty hours a week, they think it's all about growing the business itself and making that revenue because that's what grows. But a lot of making that revenue in the four hours is the prep work, is the planning, is the marketing, is the strategies, the time spent building relationships, going around to all the breweries that you did, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so what I like and what I hear is that it takes work. And it takes work. And if you're going to do it, you're going to have to spend you know, 40 to 60 hours in the business and at least 20 hours a week on the business, bookkeeping, Correct. marketing, whatever. And, you know, this sort of the theme, because back to another pizza podcast we did, it's just people get so caught up in the business that they forget to work on their business. And, you know, yeah. years, if not decades, can go by sometimes that way. And even if you get to be a $100 million, $180 million company, 
in in my own experience and things that I've seen in companies I've been with, even then the same thing can happen. So, you know, it's, it's just, it happens. And so, um, it's about keeping growing. Right. And I think that if you, if you keep growing and you know that there's uncomfortability and that if you focus too much in your business, like trying to grow the revenue and getting sales and so concentrating on that, you don't focus on strategy and growth in the long run. And, you know, big companies and small ones can do it um, equally. Yep. So. And I'm realizing I can only grow so much with this truck. And, and honestly, the labor, I can't do it forever. So it's been a fun two years and I'm willing to do it for another year or two. Um, but I'm going to have to settle down in a spot eventually or i'm gonna work myself to death um yeah one which is the, kind of yeah one of the things i like about the brick and mortar and what you're doing and even with the commissaries it starts allowing you to have a stationary training place in, as well even if you went to multiple food trailers or multiple food trailer concepts was circled around one trailer or your brick and mortar um you grow those and they become your commissaries for multiple trailers also to support i don't know how you would build it it's the greatest thing about what you did is you're forming a center unintentionally and unintentionally to train everyone where you don't have to do all the work and where everyone can be monitored and all that can set up set up and prep can be done centrally so it's more of a management thing at that point and less of having to worry about everyone doing it in their individual locations per se. Um, so that's a, having a central kitchen or a a production kitchen is just so key from that, even with a brick and mortar and even with a food truck is it gives you that flexibility. I feel like to centralize a lot of your functions. So oversight for you and then start to push out the actual operations to people, what I would call in the field. And definitely, so yeah. that's really cool. And I like the way the pieces are sort of playing out here because they should play out the way that you're working on. And even if this brick and mortar doesn't work out, I have a feeling another one will because it yeah. is the right move and you are going in the right direction. And those are the right steps. So very cool, Nathan. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I'm going to really ask you to come back on maybe in a few months um, or a year-ish period because I'm interested to see what happens with your commissary and um, potential brick-and-mortar spaces. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, and everyone in the audience, thank you guys for listening in. Um, Nathan, where can they find you online and on social media? Uh, Sourstreetpizza.com. That's where our schedule is and kind of everything about us. And then I'm most active on Instagram, uh, Sour Street Pizza on Instagram. You can message me on there or you can email me, sourstreetpizza at gmail.com. Awesome. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. And please share the podcast if you like what we're hearing. If there's food entrepreneurs in your life or want to be food entrepreneurs, uh, this is a great way for them to learn. It's a great way I've learned. I mean, it's part of the reason I've done this is I was curious and wanting to learn from other entrepreneurs. So why not have conversations and share it with everyone out there um, freely? So I appreciate yeah. you doing that. Nathan, your story is awesome. And I, and I love it because what we're seeing right now is everyone thinks food service is going 
down the tubes or we have these issues in in restaurants with employees and in in uh franchises like mcdonald's and whatever they're having trouble getting employees but here's the reality is the world is yearning for new and improved food and ideas and it's not that there's not enough revenue or restaurant or business and food that's not what's going on it's just there's a lack of employees because of what happened during covid so everyone left by the lack of jobs during that time and so they just haven't come back because jobs were more lucrative most likely somewhere else or better hours and but what it is doing also is is it's the rise of the food entrepreneur because there's so much open space now and people who do want to work and do want to believe in something and do want to build something and did go through COVID and actually want to have a purpose in something beyond just working in fast food. And that's what we're missing. And that's why the deficit, do we need more food service workers? Sure. We got to figure out how we're going to bring in new generations or, or people to fill those gaps, I think. But what I like about what you're doing is you're creating something new and interesting, which is going to be appealing not only for customers, but for employees and people to work or team members, however you look at them. And exactly that's important. And the fight of entrepreneurism and making sure free markets maintain and this concept that's, you know, 250 years old or whatever, 300 years old as entrepreneurism. It's not old guy. It's not, well, there were proprietors back in the day and all this, this idea of entrepreneurism is more around free markets. And so in doing so, like food in particular, because there's people eat so many meals a day, the food entrepreneurs are always at the front of the free market. And so it's really cool what you're doing and anyone else else out there who's really revolutionizing food and food service and food to the consumer, um, delivery food. It's really, really cool or food trucks. So thank you again, Nathan. Thank you again in the audience. Share this, give people ideas. Um, you know, there's looking for changes and there's lots of different food concepts. Yeah. I appreciate that, Justin. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you. Thank you, everyone, again.